We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Hello and welcome to the Playgrounding Podcast. I am your host, Kara Fortier. I'm here in the treehouse here at Theory Labs at the Brewery Artist Colony here in LA. And today I will be bringing you an interview with Ben Ross. And some of you know him as the flying raccoon out there. Ben's mission is to reintegrate play into the lives of all adults. And he leads by example. He's reintegrating play into his own life. He has a blog where he documents 100 days of play. I think he's almost up to 60 right now. He also does coaching for individuals and businesses who are looking to, and I quote, grow their ability to let go, to gain a calmer outlook and become more able to respond positively to the events that life throws at us. So great interview. I'm so excited that he agreed to join us. But before I get to the interview, I just really wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the tragedy that happened this past weekend in Oakland at Ghost Ship. Um, There are some pretty close ties between places like Ghost Ship and communities like the one I live in here in LA. And while I personally don't know any of the victims, my community is filled with people who are directly affected and in a variety of ways. For example, um, someone you just met last week, Amber Clisera, um, who was on the show, she was introducing us to Jerk Church, which also began in Oakland. She's collecting clothing for someone who lost everything in the fire. Um, and just she's an example of the one thing I keep coming back to. One of the things I love about these playful people that this new community that I landed in here when I moved here, their determination, um, their ability to they spring into action at any moment of need. And while Ghost Ship isn't directly associated with Burning Man, um, their response is another example of what I absolutely love about um, this Burning Man community. The Burning Man Journal, 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 (laughs) they put out a great post just this week outlining ways we can help. Um, We can help those directly affected, um, monetary ways, vigils, things like that. Um, But they also list fire tips or links to places where you can make sure your home or your venue is as safe as it can possibly be. Um, And I just, I love that. I love that. Definitely the duocracy is in full force. Um, And on that note, Theory Labs is doing pretty well here. Um, We, on our, for our part, we have Kevin Raleigh. He's our leaseholder at the helm of our little weird warehouse living situation. He was actually on the podcast a while back talking about his passion for emergency prep. And that's his play. I mean, he really started learning about it and internalizing it through his involvement in the Burning Man community for over 20 years. Um, And now he teaches, he works directly with police and fire with his radio stuff. And oh my goodness, you just check out the episode if you get a chance. He's a ham radio operator. He's a little crazy and wonderful. He's an artist, um, but he's a great example, again, of the kind of people who just see needs out there in the world and jump into action and put themselves in in between need and fulfillment. So anyway, there's never a wrong time or place to remind each other of the importance of preparation, Um, not even on a podcast on play. It could happen to any of us. So Yeah, just wanted to say that. And our hearts go out to all of the victims and their families and friends. Um, Yeah. 
You'll find a link to the Burning Man journal post on the fire at playgrounding.com slash 21. So now on to someone whose passion is to remind us about play and how it helps us stay resilient and take on life's challenges in so many creative ways. The man, the myth, the Londoner, the flying raccoon himself, Ben Ross. Ben Ross, it's so great to get to talk to you. I'm so glad you could join me. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, I just was great. I met you on Twitter and I, I don't meet that many new people on Twitter, which was so much fun. Um, I got to speak with you a while back. Um, I was just so taken with your 100 days of play and there's such an amazing story behind how you came to do this. So could you kind of just first just give me a little bit of your philosophy about play and what how you feel about adults and play and, and you know, how all of that fits together for you into the 100 days of play? Sure. Um, so the first thing to say, I think, is that I think play is vitally important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think science is teaching us more and more the importance of play and how it enables us to live in a world that can be confusing and difficult. And actually, play is vitally important for surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, the science has been looking into children and what, what play does for them, how they learn, how they explore the world, how they socialize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and loads of research has been done on the importance of play for kids, for all those things. Yeah. But there is a tradition of deciding that when you hit a an age which presumably has been increasing as the age of adulthood has been increasing, mm-hmm. um, that play should be left behind, that it's something for kids. And that adults should abandon it. Yeah. Uh, and I really passionately think that that can't be right. Um, that we no less need to find ways of surviving in the world and understanding the world when we become adults. Mm-hmm. But even more importantly, I guess that play itself is an important thing. And that we don't need to justify it based on learning or exploration or socializing, but that play is, is a real part of what we do. Exactly. And it almost feels like we do have to justify it somehow still Um, to even be having this conversation. It's just it's still so strange to adults to think of play as something so vital to our own development. (laughs) Absolutely. I've always been a playful person. I've always been someone that is contrary and (laughs) provide the other view and wants to really explore whether we could do something in a totally new way. Mm-hmm. Before, of course, oftentimes you decide, no, you can't. And let's go back to the, the normal way of doing things. <laughs> but it seems very limiting to to spend your life doing things the way that everybody has always done them, just because that's the way they're done. Absolutely. So you're that guy in the meeting who's always, you know, you know, trying to crack a joke. and <laughs> I'm the guy trying to crack a joke and and offer the possibility that, I don't know, um, <laughs> doing the program completely in different shades of red will be the way to do to look <laughs> new and interesting i love and it being that person doesn't mean you get your way and doesn't mean that 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 is the right thing to do but it does get other people saying well maybe not that but what about this <laughs> so you crack things open a bit yeah you crack things open when people ask me what i do i say i'm a student of play um, that 
rather often makes people go, oh, at which university? And I'm like, no, 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 players <laughs> all around us. I don't need to go to university to be a student of play. No. So no. I'm finding my feet. I'm developing a portfolio career, um, which is to do with play, which is to do with a bit of play coaching, a bit of traditional business coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little bit of web development just because I've got the, those skills. Um, I'm trying to develop a, a play-related app. Yeah, what it tell us? Tell me about the app. Um, so the app is uh, called D to Day, D I D A D E. Everyone hates that name, but <laughs> I think it works. Um, and it is a, an app that tries to gamify good deeds. So it turns doing little bits of good throughout your day or throughout your week into something that's a game that you get points for, that you get levels for, that you're awarded badges for, that you can compete with your friends or form team with teams with your friends. That's cool. Um, and I think, uh, why is that why is that useful? Mm-hmm. Is that terrible? Is it is it turning something into a game that isn't? Um, I think psychologically there's this fascinating fact that that gamification has really shown us mm-hmm. that as much as you want to do something, and it has to be something that you want to do already. Yes. As much as you want to do something, if you do something and additionally get five points for it, mm-hmm. or every time you do it a hundred times, you get little fireworks showing, mm-hmm. weirdly, our brains suddenly send out a little bit more, a few more endorphins, a little bit more happy, um, and you enjoy it a bit more. Yes. Um, and people have noticed this strange phenomenon and got really good at understanding it. And there are brilliant algorithms for exactly how often you have to get a response. <laughs> and pe- people have used this for for all those mobile games that have you completely addicted mm-hmm. and get you playing more and more. But people are using it for things like Duolingo, for, for learning languages, mm-hmm. and various other uses, where by getting those points it just motivates you a bit more. Yes. And again, it has to be something you want to do already, but it motivates you a bit more and keeps you going at it. And everything from, you know, the fitness bands that people wear mm-hmm. has worn one of those and can tell me that they didn't get to the end of the day the first time they wore them and saw that they were at 9,559 <laughs> steps and didn't walk <laughs> around the living room. I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> just to get up to that, 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 nice round number (laughs) yeah you're not going to do that every day but it is powerful that it gets you to do it the first time Mm -hmm. it does it does especially if you're on a work week hustle on the fitbit i end up walking around my bedroom before midnight hoping i can get all those steps in on friday night (laughs) oh that's great when do you think that's uh going to be ready for public consumption hopefully early in the new year so some people are testing it already but hopefully in the new year that's wonderful. And I want to also get into like your coaching and those kinds of things, but I really quickly kind of want to go back. You had an experience, you write about it a little on your um, your website and it kind of talks about how you became the flying raccoon, um, an experience in Big Soar at Escalant Institute. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? It sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, I sometimes feel a bit bad about the whole, am I the flying raccoon? <laughs> flying raccoon is supposed to be my spirit animal, but it's sort of become... <laughs> Uh, a, a guise for me. I love it. Um, so I'm going to preface this with um, this is all true and it did happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much this is a story of a playful story in which 
I am experiencing something that I want to experience and I enjoy experiencing and I tell it as a fun anecdote Mm -hmm. or whether I'm deadly serious about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the fun things about play is that it always, it it hums, it buzzes between those two. Is it deadly serious? Is it fun? Nobody really knows. So I'm now, I'll tell the story, which was that I was at the Esalen Institute, which for those that don't know, particularly in the UK, people haven't really heard of it. Uh, is a 53-year-old, I think, uh, basically hippie, new-agey place where where you do workshops and everything from yoga Mm -hmm. to uh, finding a calling to drumming. Uh, I'm sure there's tantric yoga and all that sort of thing as well. Um, uh, And I was on a course there with the wonderful Lissa Rankin, uh, who's a wonderful author. She used to be a, a medical doctor and is now uh, fully into spirituality and helping other people find their spirituality. Mm-hmm. So on the second day, um, we did this guided meditation exercise uh, where we spoke to ourselves five years in the future. Um, and I and, and my future self said various powerful things to me some of which were tough to hear some of which were wonderful to hear um but one of the things that he said to me was play 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 (sighs) i was thinking about this the next day and i was thinking maybe maybe this is my calling maybe play is my calling Mm -hmm. and play 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 great emphasis future self (laughs) maybe it's not maybe it's not emphasis maybe what my future self is telling me is is learn to play play and then teach play Hmm. and Interestingly, at the start, I thought those things were probably consecutive. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, I realize, as everyone must know, that you can't do those things consecutively. We have to constantly be learning to play. We have to constantly play if yeah. we want to learn to play. And you can't, you know, get to the end of, you can't know what play is and have finished learning about play and be ready to teach play. That has to be part of the mix all the way through as well. Yeah. And it's hard. It's not that easy to, to work play into your life. It, when you're not used to it, it's a difficult habit <laughs> to adopt. So how did you proceed from there? Well, you say it's a difficult habit, but at least part of it, at least part of it is recognizing what play you do. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I was thinking earlier on when I was thinking about talking to you today that, that you know, I love to cook mm-hmm. and cooking is play for me. And I know plenty of people who hate cooking and find it a miserable thing that they just do in order to feed themselves and <laughs> happily have takeaways every day of the week. Um, but I find it really enjoyable and I do get into that flow experience of really um, what I describe as serious attention when I when I cook. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's playful for me. Yeah. Um, so part of introducing play to your day-to-day experience is to recognize the play that you do Hmm, okay with the 100 days of play there are some things on the list uh you can all go and see it at (laughs) flyingraccoon.com two c's it really annoys me that some people spell raccoon with one c two c's definitely it's not rassoon yes (laughs) uh says it um so some of the things that you might see i've got meditation on there i've got doing Bikram yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people will say, that's not play. It's miserable. It's too hot and you're, <laughs> you have this. Um, 
And sure, some of the things might be at the edges of what people consider play. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to promise that I didn't get, I don't get to the end of this hundred days of play. And some of the things I think, well, those are definitely not the play that I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. But exploring that is, is wonderful. And finding the different things that you might find are play is wonderful. Yeah. And you, you've talked before about, your opinions on the definitions of play and people trying to kind of define it. I know Stuart Brown is something I've talked a little bit on this website, but you had an interesting take on that as well, that you have a very broad definition of play. And I kind of want to get into some of the things from your 100 days because I've been taking a few notes there. But um, can you talk a little bit about your definition of play or how you look at play kind of in a more abstract sense? Um, so I think of play as applying a sort of attitude of serious attention to something that other people might consider to be pointless or nonsensical. Mm -hmm. So Stuart Brown is an absolute expert in play and Absolutely. everyone turns to him for advice. But one of the one of the words that he uses, he refuses to define play. Lots of people refuse yes. to define play. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure if what I just said was a definition or just my random thoughts on play. Yeah. But one of the attributes he thinks it has is purposelessness. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't really make sense. Um, other people describe play as autotelic, so it has its own purpose. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really clear that when you're playing, you have a very strong sense of your purpose. If you're playing football, you know you've got to get to the goal. That's, mm -hmm. that's soccer for you guys. Um, you have to get the ball in the goal. Um, or if you're... Uh, playing uh, the violin you're trying to evoke a beautiful sound and express your emotion through the merely through the sound of the strings and not using your voice mm -hmm. um, so it seems really clear to me that when you're inside the play mm -hmm. you're very focused and you have a real serious attention on the thing that you're trying to achieve yeah. now from the outside people might look in and go why the hell are you painting a picture using oils? These days you can just take a photograph and you'll have a, a copy of the object you're trying to copy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they'll look on and they'll feel that it's not sensical, that it's pointless. And yet, for you yourself, you understand the goal. So I, to me, it's a, it's a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I choose my words wisely when I say serious attention. Yeah. Serious yeah. is a word that people often contrast with play and actually i think there's there's nothing more gripping uh, to the soul as when you're in that moment of play and you really want to achieve the thing that you're trying to achieve yes now you've gone too far if you throw yourself off the cliff to <laughs> catch the ball or uh, take it sort of too seriously yeah. but yeah. that's because you've it feels to me like that's because you've broken out of the constraints that the playground has provided. Ooh. And and one of the constraints of, of play is probably that you don't end up compromising your survival through it. True. After all, you can't <laughs> continue to play if you're dead. If you're dead, yes. <laughs> if you lose an eye, you know, they always say. It's yeah. all fun and games. Um, wow, yeah. And it's really interesting that you say that about taking it seriously. I, I think... I have a podcast on play. I'm very passionate about play. I struggle with it. And I think a lot of people that I've met kind of probably from the more corporate environment that I, 
came out of, they do, even though I was very playful as a child. So I recognize how important it is, which is why I'm doing this because I see how vital it is. But I've had jobs since I was 14 years old and I'll never forget the, if you can clean, if you can lean, you can clean kind of mantra that bosses used to have when you work in cafes and bars and which I did for many years. Um, and I think I, I think I, along with a lot of people that I've known in my life, have taken that if you can lean, you can clean kind of thing into their daily life. That if they're not doing something productive, there's just something wrong. It makes them nervous. And um, so when you say that the concentration thing, it makes me think of um, flow. And I know we talk a little bit about flow in play um, and how there is a level of attention that you give to it, but there's also a letting go at the same time. It's not the same kind of level of attention that you give to work. There's something just so different about it. And I know when I tried um, something from the flow arts, um, I tried spinning poi and my my level of attention was so intense and I was trying so hard to get it right, I couldn't do it because <laughs> there's you kind yeah. of have to let it go, kind of like, like dance. Um, I kind of blame that on my Protestant upbringing, but, but, um, yeah, like flow is just a different thing altogether. And when it comes to play, cause that, that level of attention is something it's different. It's not the same when it's play as when it is, it is when it's work. I don't know, but it's something you made me think of just now. But I think it's also, it's about the part of you that you're bringing to it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really, one of the things I'm really exploring with my hundred days of play is mm -hmm. what is the connection between play and mindfulness? And to me, they feel really connected. And you're right. You can't, you're not going to think your way into being able to spin poi. No. <laughs> no. You're going to need to engage your brain a bit, mm -hmm. but you've got to somehow, you've got to move your arms as you do with dancing. You've got to move them with your soul. Yeah. And yeah. be really connected and be mindful and present and in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that you're absolutely right. It's a different sort of attention mm -hmm. from being at work. And one of the things that I find fascinating about that, that sort of attention about being at work and your description of being in a cafe is the astonishing thing about the attention you have to give at work is you have to look miserable. <laughs> yes. you, know, you have to have furrowed eyebrows and be <laughs> staring at the squinting at the screen. Yeah. And if you, if you are standing a meter away from the screen and just sort of looking back at your work and thinking, <laughs> is that number in the spreadsheet right? Yeah. Someone would come up to you and say, what are you doing? Why are you messing around? Mm -hmm. and, and to me that, if anything, the distinction between play and work has to, it should be play aggressively pushing into that space. Yeah. The truth is, um, you, I, I think you can only be really good at work when you play. Wow, that's amazing, and, and and I would assume that's part of your coaching is dealing with people in their in their place of work, in their place in life, and helping them to maybe see these things specifically to their situations. Is that the kind of work that you're doing now? Absolutely, um, and one thing that Stuart Brown has been absolutely fantastic on is talking about the the eight different play personalities mm -hmm. as, as he calls them of course they're they're a description and you could produ probably produce other sets of these things yes but it's so useful to help people to think what is my play what what sort of player am i mm -hmm. and yeah that it helps in work of course it does it helps in every part of your life when you know that 
you're someone that loves to organize things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a collector, as he describes uh, one set, uh, you'll want to get every example of something. You know, if you yeah. if you know that you're a collector, then that cold calling experience mm-hmm. becomes really fun. You're just collecting uh, calls. You're trying to make sure that you've got every one example of every different type of uh, supplier included in your collection. Yes. Um, when you know that, suddenly something that seems like it's nothing to do with your sort of play mm-hmm. can become part of your, your your play. Exactly. And it sounds like taking a, a – even if someone's miserable in a job, and I know a lot of people who go to um, the coaches that I've known, um, they go because they're, they, they think maybe they need a change. Maybe they need a career change. Maybe they – are just miserable in their work. They want to. They want to figure out how to get the next promotion. That kind of thing. And for some, they think they have to make these giant shifts. But really, it's kind of almost just a shift in thinking. Um, yeah. So play is pretty powerful there. Um, that's an amazing line of work. Um, and how that's- can can people reach you? Say if they're across the pond for this kind of thing, and you do it remotely, or is it one on one? Absolutely. Um, okay. I certainly do. Skype mm-hmm. uh, coaching, sorry, I should say other video <laughs> conferencing solutions are available. Um, I think seeing someone's face yes. uh, is always useful in coaching. I think it's particularly useful in, in play coaching because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playful with it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pushing things with it and I'm being a bit challenging with it. And so you need to know whether someone has taken your your little challenge in good faith yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> the mark and um so seeing someone's face is really useful for that that's great and you've certainly challenged yourself i have to say i've been following it's hard to keep up with you you're already pretty far into your 30 days of i mean excuse me to your 100 days of play um and i just want to really quickly like talk about this well how can you quickly talk about this um but you've done so many different types of things from writing to retail therapy in a toy store, obviously baking, that kind of thing. Um, and, and some of the things I've noticed seem to have challenged you. I think of maybe this one day with a crossword puzzle. <laughs> but can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been um, challenging yourself to this pretty massive endeavor? <laughs> so the first thing to say is, I didn't know it was going to be massive at the start. It's one of those <laughs> things where if anyone told you, actually, there'll be days where you're like, I just don't want to play today. <laughs> um, I might have, I might have chosen not to. But, uh, it seemed like a great idea at the time, mm-hmm. and it still does. It's still wonderful. Yes, it, it still is. gives far more than more than it takes. Um, the crossword puzzle is actually a really interesting one. Crosswords are something that I like to do. Um, and this is something that I have mentioned to people because because I was doing it for um, this 100 Days of Play. I think it was my first one. Um, I uh, Or one of the early ones. Um, I, I really paid attention. Mm-hmm. Interesting word to use. I really paid attention <laughs> when I was doing this crossword. Mm-hmm. And the thing I realized about it was how doing a crossword seems mostly to be frustrating. You come to a clue and you think, I don't know what the answer to this is. You look down the list of clues. You think, I don't know what any of these are. And then you get one and briefly, yes, I've got a clue. <laughs> and then you're back to not knowing any of the answers. So that was really interesting to me, that the experience isn't isn't what people would generally describe as 
fun. <laughs> yeah. It's an experience where you do get a lot out of it and you feel real satisfaction when you're at the end of it. Yeah. Um, mentioned this to people and some have said well it's obviously not your play and I'm like but I do like crosswords and <laughs> I don't think that that when someone is climbing Everest yeah. they are doing so going oh isn't this a lovely walk in the park yeah they're, they're going this is grueling and miserable and I'm hating every minute of it yeah and yet clearly is their play it's clearly something that they're doing for there's not it, it doesn't strike me that there's a, a very good explanation of why they're doing it apart from something to do with play. Yes, exactly. And so, so clearly there's this element of pure pleasure and pure fun is not, it seems to me the, the mark of play, mm-hmm. um, play is something else. Um, and it is, it's about that voluntarily putting yourself in a position where you're challenged or you're doing something that requires your attention. That's um, great. And on your on your website, you can actually um, follow Ben's play, not only just in the blog posts themselves, but he actually has his calendar up to show like what he has planned. Um, you don't see every single day, but it's it's really, really cool. If you actually live in the UK, if you want to join him in London, you can actually make an appointment to play. You, you guys can play together. <laughs> you can run Absolutely. off into Hyde Park or whatever you guys do over there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. This, you've really got to visit the website flyingraccoon.com. Um, just to sort of follow all of this. You can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes, but, um, I'm also impressed with, um, the way Europe seems to have a, pretty amazing network of people who are very passionate about this. There are a few things I found on your calendar um, and on your blog as well. Um, a playful escape, Morning Gloryville, you, we discussed that at one point, and this other thing called Do Before I Die Network. Can you talk a little about some of these groups and these events that you've been a part of? Yeah, so it's lovely to hear that that, that you, you see Europe as having lots of this stuff. Actually, I still find it I, I still find play people to be difficult to find. So, um, and so it's lovely to, to connect with you and to connect with other people. Um, there's also school of play. I should Ooh. have a shout out to, um, that has been wonderful. Um, so, but you're right. There's more and more of a, a, a realization that play is important. Um, and I think something that enables, I, something ironically that enables there to be quite a few organizations is that people are still coming at this from very different uh, perspectives. Yeah. Antidote, who organ- organized the Playful Escape Festival, another great organization, are very much about, I mean, the name says it all, Antidote. It's mm-hmm. about stepping outside your drudgery and finding some fun. Um, and they do so every Thursday evening uh, in London. Um and that's great. Yeah. But it's diff- it's a slightly different perspective um, from, uh, say, the School of Play, who are about integrating play into your whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, different a bit to, to my view that playful is like mindful is a way of being. Yes. Um, and so ironically, I guess if, if there's ever a, a definition a single way of thinking about play it's going to reduce the number of people because currently that's driven by these different perspectives and this dialogue that's going on about what play is yeah 
And in Denmark, I, 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 I recently connected with some of the people at Counterplay, and there was a conversation, I think, on a Facebook thread about the definitions. And and um, Matthias there, I mentioned briefly a couple of weeks ago in an episode, um, he was trying to – somebody tried to define play, and it just kind of exploded into this, no, you can't do that because it narrows the scope of what we're exploring right now. You know, And that really – I don't know, it made me really excited. And I, I just decided, okay, I'm going to open a Google Doc for myself and just start collecting every definition of play that I find and just make it into this giant, glorious mush pot for a little while because there, there are just so many people exploring it right now and nobody's wrong. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's really fun to see people start to really grab onto this. Um, I think here, I haven't found as many of these types of organizations. Burning Man, of course, is kind of where I discovered play, but I don't think they would have necessarily put it, you know, decided that that was something that was their mission. I think it was just the approach that they take in general. Also sort of the roots in Cacophony Society here um, from, you know, the earlier days of Burning Man, um, just the mischievous um, aspects, uh, that kind of thing. So I'm still discovering things over here. You have some amazing events going on over there. Um, could you also, I'm really curious to hear about Morning Gloryville. Would you mind telling a little bit about that as well? As I think sometimes people, especially in recovery, adults, many times, not always, but especially some of the things we do for fun require substances. It, it's hard sometimes for an adult who's not used to play to, to give themselves permission to come out and play. So, so a lot of times substances can play a big part. Um, but I was kind of impressed when you were telling me about Morning Gloryville. Um, it seems like a neat thing. So Morning Gloryville, you're right, is a very neat thing. Mm -hmm. It's um, uh, an organization that organizes morning sober raves, basically. <laughs> um, so you will turn up at 6 or 6.30 in the morning. It's before work mm -hmm. uh, and start your day in the best possible way with people in the most astonishing outfits, unicorns, glitter, <laughs> uh, psychedelics, uh, colors rather than <laughs> drugs. Yeah. Um, it's completely sober, no drugs, no alcohol. Uh, there'll be some coffee if you're allowed caffeine. I think you are. Um, and just amazing music. Um, they, the event that I went to, I was really lucky to go to an event they had in the Shard, which is the tallest building in London, mm -hmm. definitely yeah. the highest rave in London. And it was sober. Um, and they had Felix from Basement Jacks playing. Oh my God. <laughs> so just an uh, amazing, awesome time. And I imagine that if anyone saw people coming out of this, they're like, wow, those people are hardcore ravers they must be really doing the drugs to <laughs> be awake at nine and still raving from the night before but no they've got up in the morning and have have done something amazing before the day has begun there are a couple of other organizations that i probably ought to mention one is one is project awesome um, which is a bit like uh, november project uh -huh. um, which i know you guys have in the states yeah. i think it started in the states um and Project Awesome is a morning workout, uh, 6.30 on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in London. And I think it's now in Edinburgh and Bristol as well. Uh, an amazing, fun workout powered by joy and pixie dust and unicorns uh, <laughs> where you can just turn up. Genuinely, there are people of completely all abilities. There is no judgment. Um, and I think 
all of these connect to a something lovely that is happening, which is it, it's a bit about clean living and it's about you know whole wholesomeness, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's not it's wholesomeness without the dry oats. Yeah, it's without the boring. Friendly and joyful. Yes, and saying let's let's do things that help us to be happy and healthy in order to celebrate life rather than to, I don't know, avoid dying or whatever it is that, that is the negative thing that, that makes some of these wholesome things feel so blur. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. So what would you, if somebody is listening to this and they're maybe feeling stuck and the things that you're saying is resonating, what would you advise them? Um, how do we get in touch with you? Um, if you would for coaching and those kinds of things. Um, well, get in touch through uh, the website, flyingraccoon.com. Uh, it doesn't just need to be for coaching. I'm happy to talk to anyone to discuss my play experience, as I think you've probably heard in my my joy at <sighs> meeting new people. Uh, it's always lovely to, to hear from people who are working in play, who are interested in play, who are trying to experience more play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things that absolutely unifies anyone that is – sort of living and working or being in the play sphere is ironically this is going to sound ridiculous it's (laughs) kind of difficult to be in this sphere um uh people it might sound like it's all fun and games being in play Mm -hmm. but actually you're right it's a hard sell into companies um as often as someone will go, wow, brilliant, 100 days of play, that's fantastic. People will go, what? You're just playing all the time? Yeah. That's embarrassing. It's childish. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that unites all these people that are doing this is that they are genuinely passionate about play. They really believe it's got a mission and that it will save the world. Yes. Um, and gosh doesn't the world need saving right now <laughs> it sure does <laughs> excellent time to be doing something as trivial as yeah. doing a hundred play exactly has this month people not been i'm sorry you're playing mm-hmm. uh, to me yeah. but that's okay it's okay and uh you've got to be a bit thick-skinned and play helps you to be thick-skinned it helps you to enjoy the many and varied things that life throws at you absolutely and so it's a it's a blessed position to be in to to insist that that's all you care about mm-hmm. um hey. let's see whether long term <laughs> that, that pays the bills um but it's a good position to be in uh, and i think yeah so there are lots of people on this mission and and bringing this stuff into work is hard but it's so so rewarding yes absolutely and getting to meet you has been super rewarding for me i as i started off on this kind of alone just i thought it was interesting and i thought play was a fun topic and had no idea so i would be discovering so many of you out there so just thank you so much for yeah thank you so much for being here on the podcast today and bringing your perspective and really opening things up um, for me. This has been great meeting you. Um, so Fantastic. Yeah. I should probably chuck in that uh, another way you can, of course, converse with me. I'm on, on the Twitter. Oh, yeah. Fly Raccoon Fly. 
uh, sadly, Flying Raccoon was taken. Uh, so I'm at Fly Raccoon Fly. Um, and I'd love to connect with you there as well. There are such great conversations. I met Cara there. Um, the counterplay people are doing wonderful oh, things. Yes. And yeah, it's 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 lovely to be able to engage with people more yeah, and more. Absolutely. Well, it's going to keep going, and we'll keep um, we'll keep on top of this. And if you follow Playgrounding Podcast, follow um, Flying Raccoon. And also, you know, I might even put up my Twitter list. I've been collecting of all of you people that just inspire me every day. I might just make that on a page on my website and make sure people can see all the amazing people they can follow on Twitter to get this inspiration every day. But especially and first and foremost, actually, one of the first people I discovered was you. So definitely follow follow at fly raccoon fly um, to get some daily inspiration. So, well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And um, yeah, I hope to stay in touch in the future for a very long time. It's absolutely been a pleasure and we will definitely stay in touch. For sure. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Playgrounding. You'll find links to Ben's website and his Twitter at playgrounding.com slash 21. I'll also include links to all of the many, many, many organizations mentioned in this podcast, like Morning Gloryville, School of Play, and all the rest. Um, and if you like what's happening here at Playgrounding, I would really love it if you'd please go subscribe on iTunes, or even better, leave a review and help others find out about the stuff we're doing here. It's bound to expand. I'm so excited. I've been meeting so many amazing people like Ben out there, voices that I want to make sure you hear. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.